You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Well, greetings, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you're listening to another episode of Leadership Powered by Common Sense. We're here to talk to you about your business leadership activities, whether you're in small business or large corporate settings. We talk about a lot of topics that are pertinent to helping you become a better leader. And today, my guest is going to entertain us or lead us through a discussion about leadership and accountability. And his name is Mark Anthony. Mark, Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you very much. And a lot of people tease me about the name Mark Anthony when the word entertainment comes into play, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's better than Mark Anthony. <laughs> no relation, I take it, right? <clears throat> no. Well, good. Well, as is a bit of a custom here, tell us, Mark, a little bit about your journey and, and your uh your work toward this theme of, of what it is you like to talk about and, and how you like to help others who are in the business world. Okay, well, I, I literally have always been an entrepreneur. You know, I, I joke that I used to split up a bag of army men back in the day, sell them for a quarter a piece to four kids, get a dollar back and be able to buy a whole nother bag and keep all the difference myself. So, but you know, it's interesting when I say that very playfully, I actually was thinking even then, you know, what was my goal? I wanted to be able to get my cost of goods sold back, be able to make a profit, the extra toys that I get to keep for myself. And, you know, jumping way forward in college, I started a company and I was able to grow it to six figures back as a college student. And that was producing sports magazines. And again, right there, I started learning. I could only go to a couple of advertisers for a couple of schools to be able to uh, you know, make a profit. But if I was to clone myself and start teaching other college students how to sell and follow my sales process, all of a sudden I had 10 college students selling for me. I was able to get colleges all across the country. And that was where I realized I was good at figuring out how to create businesses instead of developing jobs. And that and that's the whole shift. Out of that, I started a training company, digital ad agency, an e-commerce business. But in every one of those, as much as those are different businesses, what you want to do is figure out your goal, make yourself accountable to the numbers. That's how you're able to lead your team with that type of accountability and then put pieces in place that make each of the pillars of the business move forward. Got that as a little kid, got a real life taste of it with some real money in college. And then, you know, that turned into seven and eight figure businesses. You know, and as you, as you just describe it in, in really very simple terms, it is amazing how many people come up with ideas. They want to go start a business but they never quite realize that dynamic. They're, they might be so focused on producing the, the good or the service that they've got, their idea, that they don't realize that truly running a business, you gotta have that kind of target accountability. Well, you know, an idea is one thing. Ideas are, are, these are great. You need to have an idea and turn it into something. 
But what I like to refer to, I actually refer to in pillar two. I, I look, don't look at chapters in my book. I call them pillars because they're all interchangeable business things that we need to put in place. And so as a pillar of accountability, when most people say, what's your accountability to sales? They'll talk about what their accountability is to a sales number. They want to have 100,000 in sales a year, a week, whatever it might be. But you need accountability. That's the idea to the actual drivers that make your idea happen. So what's a driver? Using a very simple example of sales, number of phone calls outbound or number of phone calls taken inbound, that's a driver to getting appointments. Get appointments, that's a driver to getting proposals or the opportunity to close. And of course, those two things, closing and appointments and proposals and such, are what actually get you the end result of sales. But in every one of those pieces, when I'm working with it, I try to spoil it down to the ridiculously simple. What are the little measurable steps that if you were to measure them, you could actually predict if your sales are going to go up and if your profits are going to go up. And then I, I, you know, I love that, you know, you know, leadership by common sense. It's just common sense. If you were to notice these little drivers and be accountable to truly committed to making them happen, you could predict if you're going to have a successful business or if you're just going to be stuck in the idea stage. <clears throat> so uh, to your point there, I like that. And I, I might've jumped a little too fast, too far ahead. So, so let's do go back a step. Let, let's talk about in, in your frame where you present your pillars, let, let's start with that fundamental definition. What do you consider leadership accountability to be about? Leadership accountability is about first you need to know your plan, okay? Then you need as the business owner, you could be just the leader of a team of one yourself. What are each of the absolute musts that must take place? That might be, I call it typically three to six things. There's an endless list of things we need to juggle as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. But what are the three to six things that must take place and be happening at an A-plus level? When you know those and you're accountable to those, then you can lead the other people on your team to taking the driver actions I was referring to to execute on those points. Sometimes those people who you may be holding accountable don't, are not even in this country. They may be VAs in the Philippines. They may be VAs in India or just someone who is a remote worker somewhere in the U.S. But as the business owner, you need to know the end game, but you need to know the drivers that every one of your team needs to be producing. And extremely important, and so sadly not often done, is then actually track the performance of yourself and your team on those drivers. We could tell people you need to make sales calls. We could tell your email marketing person that you need to get e-blasts out or your Facebook advertising person that you need a good return on ad spend. But you actually need to be tracking the performance of each of those things 
or the other items that you may have defined. Uh, and all too often, business owners don't do it. And that's what a leader does. So they don't just put out the vision. They need to be tracking the progress of themselves and everybody on the team. So they're really walking the talk. Yeah. There's kind of an old pot popular adage that says you must inspect what you expect. And, you know, uh, I think under that spirit, it, it comes down to that idea of you can set a goal, you can have a plan, but if you're not measuring against that plan, if you're not tracking and looking at the actual outcome, the odds of you hitting the plan are slim to none. And I, I go back, uh, many of my listeners have heard me tell this story before. My early days as a banker, I worked for an organization that had an incredible discipline about budget and plan. And it was a 90-day exercise in the fourth quarter of every year. Well, actually, started third quarter, but bled into fourth quarter for us to create a, a calendar year budget and plan. And once that got finalized and voted on by the board, that became the gospel. And that was our roadmap, literal roadmap on how we needed to operate. And we didn't wait three months or six months into the new year to check it and see how we were doing. It started on January 1st. We had systems that accumulated the numbers. At the end of the month, we got a report and very simple logic. The whole is the sum of the parts. And if a part was falling behind, we knew the whole would fall behind. And so we were tasked and challenged. If, if you were a manager with profit and loss responsibility, you knew your numbers every month. You, you knew where you had to go and what you needed to do to hit your goal. And if you fell short in one month, you better double down and make it up the next month so you could stay on track for the year, the year to date, you know, because when I talk to people about tracking things, you know, <clears> I'll often say, you know, if you track, if you only look at your numbers at the end of the year, you might have a bad year. You know, if you check your numbers every month, you might have an off month and that might impact the quarter, but you have plenty of time to correct the year. You track your numbers every week you can correct very quickly and then you know you still have a chance of having a good month and when you're doing that regular follow-up you really ensure the chances of you having a successful quarter year and the profitability that's desired you also said something else i'd love to tag on to which is you said how everything started at the beginning of the year like january 1 you knew those numbers i actually when i'm coaching people when i'm consulting with them I actually tell them the, the new year starts somewhere around November 15th to like December 7th. Like your team needs to know what's expected of them, what numbers they need to be hitting for that first week of January back then. And then they need to be doing the things they need to fill the pipeline in December so that when you hit January 1, you are hitting January 1 running. I talk to business owners. Oh, yeah, we're going to do our, our kickoff January 17th. Like, by the time you implement it, <laughs> it's going to be February 20th. You've already lost more than 10% of the year, and you're already playing your game of business down, down several points. 
Yeah. So I, I love when you say that. Thank you. That's such a great, great. No, point. you 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 highlight a very good point, and and you are right. And in our specific example, we did because we had done the rigor of the process. The the new year budget was pretty well nailed down by the early part of November. So everybody that had responsibility for managing those numbers knew early in November what the new year was going to look like. And if you, you know, needed to hire people or needed to launch a program or build a campaign or <clears throat> structure a, a different sales approach, whatever it might be, uh, or begin making cuts. If, if, if your department happened to be one that was designated as an area that needed to get reduced for the new year, you could start early figuring out how you wanted to administer those cuts so that it wasn't a big push or a big surprise come January 1. So either side of that equation, you're right. It, having visibility of what the plan was going to be allowed everybody to get that running start at it. And and I like what you said. That, that, that's it. It's it's a running start, not a standstill start. You know, you also uh, reminded me of uh, Google had brought us out to their locations over in Mountain View, California, because of our rapid growth and the amount of growth that we were having. And what a great campus to be on. You know, the people are playing volleyball. They have places to get your hair cut, so you never leave the campus. You know. It's such a great example that so many companies want to follow what Google is doing. And it was such a great opportunity to be on there. When I was with different division leaders, managers over at Google, this you know company that we often uh, are impressed by, like them or hate them, we're still impressed by them. And I said, you, know, you let your people play volleyball in the middle of the day. They could take these long lunches. Like, when do they get their work done? Like, how do you know they're getting their work done? And Every one of the leaders, not one of them, but every one of the leaders there said it's actually very simple. Everyone knows what the end, I, the end result that we expect of them by when, and we have specific meetings set up where they need to show us their progress towards the end game that their team members are working on. So again, they were very much inspecting and tracking what needed to get done. If their staff chose to get it done from midnight to 7 a.m. and played volleyball in the middle of the day with the rest of the team, so be it. Everyone it had didn't matter. They had to deliver. Yeah, and it didn't matter. <clears throat> No, it, it, that's, a, I think, a very powerful, and, and even in the modern work world, for all the studies and things that are being done with employee mindsets now, I, I think it's it's becoming very clear that the average worker, if there is such a thing, their mindset has shifted to wanting that flexibility to decide, and it's based on I'm happy to put in the work and get the work done. You tell me when the deliverable is due and what the steps are to get there. What I do in between all of that is, to put it bluntly, none of your business. As long as I get there and you agree that it's the output you want, the time I spend and the level of effort I, I, I use to get there should not matter. 
And I think that is one of the prevailing mindsets that is part of this big shift we're seeing in the work world right now. And frankly, when you come back and think about leadership standards and leadership mindsets, there are leaders that are struggling with embracing that. You know, there's still people that are trying to hang on with their white knuckles to the idea, no, clock in at eight o'clock and be here until five. I, I need to see you at work. And a vast majority of workers are saying, nah, not interested. If that's the deal, I'm, I'm just not interested. For people listening, I, I love to be able to share two questions that I think make a difference between management performance as well as sales performance. It works for both. And those two questions, when you're talking to your team, is you make sure you tell them what's most important to you and what you're trying to ask them to create. And you also clearly define to them what you want. But in terms of a question to your staff, you might tell your team member, you want X, Y, Z done, created, and they say, boss, I got it. You make sure you ask them, what does that look like to you? And how do you define giving it to me perfectly? Like oh, boss, I'm going to give it to you perfectly. You're going to love it. How do you define giving it to me in a way that I absolutely will love or that the customer will love? And when they, def when they explain how they're defining it, you either see if you're on the same page, if they're exceeding what you were hoping for, or if they're going going in a slightly different direction, even with the best of intent. And then you can realign everybody because as a manager, as the business leader, you need to make sure that your team is on the right page and going in the right direction. And the only way you could do that is if you say, team, define to me what you're going to do. Explain it to me. If you don't get those details, it's on you as the owner for the oops that might take place down the road. I really like that. I, I think that's a critical element in, um, and it falls under the category that I advise people to think about. And that is as a leader, you have to be crystal clear on your message, on what you expect, what you consider a win to look like. And help your people know what the next right thing might be to do. And I think where your point comes into that is as a leader, you can communicate, you can stand in front of the group and you can make a presentation and explain to them. But if you're not willing to ask those questions now, I, I just spoke, I explained this. Now you tell me what you heard. You tell me what you think you're going to do. And let me hear you say, what your understanding is here. And that's where that real good alignment happens. I agree with it, you totally. I, I've been in programs, right? You tell the staff, we need to give great customer service. That's going to be our secret sauce. Everybody needs to take great care of the customer. Make it a fantastic experience. I know what that means. And I've gone to some pretty nice places to understand what that means. But younger team members might not. So you 
as you were saying, make sure that they're telling you what that looks like. And more important than just knowing that you're on the same page, it actually increases the accountability of the team. When you make it their idea to deliver an award-winning level of service, and they define what an award-winning level of service looks like, and that standard is great by the team's definition, now you're empowering them to run with it. And right. great leadership, which is what you need to go to seven and eight-figure businesses, you need your team to be able to run with it. You can't do it all yourself. That's the totally. secret to being a seven-figure leader. Totally. There's a there's an unlikely business that I've been introduced to and, and met and did a tour with the owner a couple of weeks ago. It's a plumbing company in Denver. In recent episodes of this show, I've talked about it before, and I, I talk about it because it's amazing. The company is called High Five Plumbing, and the owner there has done some absolutely incredible work with his team. To your point there, Mark, one of the things he does, he has three training sessions a week, mandatory for everybody. And one of those sessions every week is about customer service. They talk about standards, they talk about techniques, they talk about messaging, they talk about conduct, they talk about attitude, personal appearance, all of those things. This is a plumbing company. So, you know, they have a standard where the technicians in the truck, they have a company issued jersey-like top. It looks like a baseball jersey and they got three varieties of it. But they have to wear a clean jersey every day. And if they get it dirty during the day, they have another one in the truck they're expected to change into for the next call. You know, you don't show up to somebody's house dirty. And, you know, let's face it, plumbing's not a necessarily clean business in many respects. But nonetheless, they, they communicate the standard. They set that standard. And, and that starts the whole customer experience journey. Your tech shows up they look like they're not going to mess up your house when they come in, you know, and, um, but all of that is instilled, reinforced, communicated, trained every week. And it's, it's a mandatory thing. And then they do have a session on training. That's more of the technical side of things. And then they've got a, a session about, uh, uh, the other aspects of customer service, things like, you know, really estimating and, and working through things and, and helping to upsell the work. And, you know, it's not a hard sell pitch by any means, but it's a practical, helpful way of saying, you know, dear homeowner, if this went wrong over here, there's a good chance you might have a problem over there that you're not aware of. And since I'm already here, I'll be happy to take a quick look at it and see if you're okay. So um, it, it really makes total sense to operate that way. Building off of that, so it's just such a great tip that you're giving to your listeners. And I've worked with a lot of people in the plumbing and electrical HVAC type trades as well. And regardless of the type of business that someone is in, uh, every one of your listeners who has team members can start to implement a lunch and learn. Buy lunch for your team, but here's what we did differently in my companies. Instead of me teaching them, and I love teaching, I love getting on stage and you know running the workshops and, and educating, but 
I decided to sit down and put myself in my audience of my own staff. And each week, a different team member had the floor and had to teach best practices from their department. It did several things. It made each team member go deeper into what they did so they made themselves get better because they wanted to look good in front of their peers. They educated other members of their own department. The other departments that were also attending got a better understanding of what took place in their colleagues' departments. So, so therefore they started to support each other better. What did it cost me instead of bringing in a speaker? Lunch. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and I gained camaraderie, knowledge, and efficiency. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, having that kind of knowledge and, and information about your colleagues and other parts of the company and all of the inner workings really does accrue to the, the good in the long run. And I have mentioned this before on the show here, and as an early manager, I was a little bit jaundiced, if I admit it, that I, I was uh, contributing to the friction between management and workers. You know, there was this trust question and all that. But as I've gotten older and more experienced in that, I've come to the conclusion that if you've done a reasonably good job hiring your people, and I know that's a big if, but if you have, those people want to do the right thing. And what you as a leader need to be able to do is tell them what the next right thing looks like and help them learn. And I love your idea of learning from each other about what this department does versus that department and sharing that information. And I think what you described is a good example of my principle here. Fundamentally, good people want to do good work. So when you ask them to stand up and be the presenter on Thursday, they're going to prepare. They're going to do some fact-finding. They're going to dig a little deeper. They're going to lean into it, and they're going to make a good effort to tell a good story when they get their shot to be up there. So I, I love that. I some I, staff people that were so shy. I thought <clears throat> they're going to crumble, but everybody has to do it. All they did was prepare perfectly. And I was so impressed by how those people performed. And, and when you talk about like, you know, we all have some good people. Typically, all our people are, for the most part, good and want to do the right thing. Uh, by letting the staff, if you, as a leader, ask the right questions, I was working with an audiovisual company. They rented out equipment for movies and for different production events, and equipment would always disappear. So we talked about why that was. The staff came, the staff came up with the idea of let's check all the equipment out, make sure it's there, but you also need to check all the equipment back in. And if you're the one who signs it in and you say it's good, when it goes out, it's your fault that something's missing and then they created you know, a, a sort of a team penalty for lack of a better word. But that type of accountability didn't come from the boss. 
It was the staff's idea to create it. And when it was the staff's idea, they took a great deal of pride in making sure that the system, the procedure was executed. So as we take that to leadership, leadership of, again, I'm about building seven-figure businesses and seven-figure profits. And in doing that, a good leader to scale has to find ways to make it the staff's idea to improve things. Because when it's your idea, you're the parent and none of the kids want to listen to the parent. Right, <laughs> you know, it's just right. The way it is. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny as you say that, I think back to, uh, again, a story from my banking days. I was in banking in the day when we were making the big culture shift from uh, formal, more formal dress attire. You know, the guys were in suits and ties and, you know, white shirts, burgundy ties, navy suit, all of that traditional banker to the more casual, what we now look at as business casual. I, I was there in the days when we were going through that shift and uh, the immediate big concern was, well, there's still somewhere you need to draw the lines. There's only so much casual you can really be at work and then you're just not professional anymore. You're just slumming it. So a lot of the department managers were coming up with these policies and these directives. And I said, oh, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. So you know what I did? I organized a personnel committee. I took people from each of my work teams on the front line and created a, a, a dress code committee for our department. I said, you guys go talk about this and figure out what you think a fair standard is and then bring it to me as your recommendation. And you know what happened? Their standard of code was far more restrictive than anything I would have expected or would have wanted to do. That was the exact bet I was about to make. Yes. <clears throat> and but but they were bought in on it and they had campaigned with their colleagues and they had come up with the standard and they told me they said no doug we, we're all in we're all in on this we want to be professional we want to be responsible and here's where we think we need to draw the lines and i said okay that's our policy for this department that's what we're going to do and uh boy it took all the weight off of me i didn't have to do much of anything with that it was awesome it was great all you're doing is you're, you're helping them enforce their ideas yeah yeah it, it's genius it works so well so yeah. consistently and uh and they really did they everybody embraced it and and the first time somebody showed up violating the code um People off the committee took them aside and said, you know, we published this list. See, this thing you got on, that doesn't fit the model here. You need to you either, either need to go home at lunch and change or, or just uh, don't ever do this again, you know. And, um, and that's, that's the way we administered it, and it worked out perfectly. So, well, Mark, I tell you what, we're about up on time here. This has been great. And uh, I, what I'd like to ask is tell folks the best way to get a hold of you if they're looking for more information about your work and how you might be able to help them. Terrific. Uh, there's several ways. Uh, the easiest is go to the, one of my websites, which is jointhesevenfigureclub.com, uh, which is actually the title of my book, 
which was a recent bestseller this past summer, joined the seven figure club. And the whole idea there is let's make sure that businesses grow to seven figures. And then we take the next step of growing your profits to seven figures. And the whole concept is high performance ways that are rather simple to implement just in real life terms. So join the sevenfigureclub.com. Or if you want to reach me on Instagram, just direct message me. Uh, it's high, uh, Mark Anthony, high performance. Mark Anthony, high performance on Instagram. Again, let's just make it simple for people. You want to play at a high performance level, you want to join the seven-figure club. That's awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining in and sitting in with us. I really appreciate your thoughts and ideas. Thank you. Well, with that, folks, we're going to bring this to a close. And thank you for spending some valuable time out of your day to join us. I, I want to remind you that we do have a video version of this over on YouTube, channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. You can hop over there, look at all the archives, and check out all the dialogue and commentary going on. We uh, do entertain ideas. If you've got a subject or a speaker that you would like uh, to hear from or, or maybe yourself, you'd like like to be a guest on the show. I'm always interested in meeting you and, and knowing more. So uh, drop a line to me over on my website, simply at DougThorpe.com, or leave a comment on any of our channels and any of our networks. You can um, uh, leave your information there, and, and we'll reach out and get in touch with you. But for now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye, go out there, make it a great day. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.